Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. You are listening to the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. We are sponsored, as always, by Giant T-Shirt and GiantTshirt.com. I'm your host, John Siegley, joined by Sean Moran and Terrell McMillan. We are coming to you right after UNC was able to hold off the Yale Bulldogs 70-67 to in the Dean Dome. Guys, we have a lot to cover in this podcast. We'll be talking about that game. Also, touching on Roy Williams' big, momentous, historic win tonight as well. Get into that a little bit and then wrap it up with some recruiting information, as we usually do here on the Coast to Coast podcast. But starting with the Yale game, Sean, be honest, that last second three-point shot by Yale, did you think it was going in? Because I'll admit, I did. When it left his hands, I definitely thought it was it was going in just based on, you know, kind of how the season had gone and how fitting that would be, but was very pleased when it fell short. Um, unfortunately, was not too pleased taking the six and a half points and, and thinking UNC might uh, win by seven points or more. But I'll take the W going into the ACC conference play. Yeah, I mean, this team will just take wins any way they can. Sherell, it was another ugly type of game. UNC looked like they could be on the verge of actually potentially running away with this one, extending the lead out to double digits. But unfortunately, they're late in the second half. They just went cold from offense again. I mean, what were your overall takeaways from this game, really? It kind of tracked to what they've been this season, which is um, they've had some small stretches where they played really well. I mean, three, four, five-minute stretches, and then they've had some stretches where they looked like, you know, maybe the worst team in the ACC. And I think you saw both of those in not just in the game, but within the second half. Um, there were there was a stretch where they were running, you know, secondary break. They were uh, pushing tempo. You know, they were getting the ball inside. They were, you know. Um, crashing the boards. They were doing everything you would expect from a Carolina basketball team. And then there were stretches where they were turning it over, just trying to, you know, get the ball into the post where they were missing defensive assignments and rotations where they were giving up wide open shots um, where nothing fell. So it it just goes back to that inconsistency that um, they've had the entire season. Uh, It it was a good win because it was a win. (laughs) Frankly, they needed it. Um, Especially, you know, now they're starting ACC play, but kind of the whole night just felt a little strange because I think everybody is just concerned about Anthony Harris because he's been such a spark for UNC since he came back against Virginia. And um, you could really start to see some things developing as far as him as a player. You know, he, him and Francis really gave fans hope, not just for this season, but moving forward. So the possibility of that being taken away and then you just feel for him because all the coaches have said how hard he works. All the players have said how hard he and Francis work to get back. So you hope it's not a, a major injury. 
Um, so you have that, and then you have Roy Williams tying Dean Smith on the all-times win list. So it was just a really weird kind of feel. They got the win, but it didn't feel like a win because, uh, you know, Harris got hurt, and then Roy Williams had the ceremony afterwards that he clearly didn't want to be involved with. So it was just kind of a strange night. But in the end, I think they're thankful for the win. Yeah, watching it on TV, I thought that Coach Williams may do like a speech, but I think it was pretty evident he was in no mood to really sit there and bask in the accolades. Sean, looking at the box score here, I think the biggest positive for me was that Justin Pierce had his best game in a Tar Heel uniform, and they really needed him tonight because, unfortunately, Armando Baycott had yet another poor game, only two points, and those both came from the the free throw line, 0 for 5 from the field. If UNC is going to be successful this year, they must get production on the inside, but... Unfortunately, today, they really were inconsistent outside of Pierce. So looking at this Yale win, I mean, what do you think the team can build upon moving forward? Or are we just a little bit too far gone in the season to really hope that there could be some drastic changes? Well, I I definitely don't think there are going to be any drastic changes, but I think there were definitely some positives. Uh, I mean, you brought it up in terms of how Pierce played, and you go back to the first half and... Uh, you know, one thing that stuck out to me was how aggressive a lot of the team was in attacking the basket. Uh, so you had you had Francis really putting pressure on the defense, getting into the paint. Uh, you know, you had Pierce coming off the bench, and I thought he was really ready to go from the, the get-go. And I think we've talked about it a few times, whether it's a CA team or, or now an Ivy League team. He, he seems to get up for that level of play a little bit more. But to his credit, he was ready to play from the beginning. Then you had Harris attacking um, and you had Garrison Brooks being really the first person that was aggressive offensively. And he finished with a double double and and kind of, you know, when they got down 11 to two at the beginning was really a catalyst and helping UNC come back early. But Pierce, uh, you know, he he didn't shoot the ball, went 0 for 2 from the three point line, but was really aggressive with his cuts, um, had three offensive rebounds and was just, you know, even you know, made some nice passes and was, was forcing the, the defense um, to really guard him when he, when he attacked the basket. So definitely no drastic changes, but some things to enjoy and things that hopefully they can build on going forward. Because when you put pressure on the defense, that just opens things up for Brandon Robinson at the three-point line, and it opens up uh, stuff for the bigs as well. So hopefully they can continue to do that, even though Harris was a big, uh, a big part of that. Yeah, let's talk about Brandon Robinson because I actually really liked the fact that he was not afraid to just shoot the ball tonight. He ended up with 20 points. He did foul out, but he really took it upon himself to be the scoring drive for UNC. Sherell, looking at his play tonight, it's pretty evident that until they get Cole Anthony back, this team just must have someone not be afraid to shoot the ball from beyond the outside. How confident are you that Robinson can be that guy until Cole Anthony comes back. Oh, I think you said it all. I mean, with North Carolina's size advantage inside, um, a lot of times getting a good shot, um, you know, yields an offensive rebound. So part of it is just getting the shot up. And, you know, it's weird watching a team that some guys look petrified to shoot. You know, they it looks like great ball movement. But what it really is, is guys passing out open looks. You'll see the ball swing from one side, swing to the other. And then it'll be a pump fake and a drive. Then they'll swing it to the other side and a pump fake and a drive. At some point, you got to shoot the ball. And 
Um, I, I think Brandon Robinson finally realized that, hey, you know, nobody else is going to do it. Somebody has to do it. And some of his shots didn't look great, but, you know, he kept shooting and eventually he kind of got into his rhythm. He's been a good shooter for most of his career um, coming, you know, it, obviously at a smaller level. I think he only took he didn't take many last year. Um, so, you know, I just I just think that it was good for him to be aggressive and other people need to follow suit. Now, I'm not talking about just going out and, and checking it <laughs> whenever you have a chance. But if it's in the flow of the offense, if it's, um, you know, an open shot, take it. You know, Coach Williams always talks about how he didn't recruit you to go over and, stay, you know, sit on the bench or go over and wave a towel. He recruited you because he thinks you can play. So go out, you know, and take the shot and make it. Um, so I think it was good to see Brandon Robinson be so aggressive. I thought Justin Pierce's uh, aggressiveness was good as well. Um, granted, it wasn't always from the three-point line, but just in general, I thought he played a much more aggressive game and how he cut and how he screened and how he rebounded and how he finished around the basket. So those two guys, I think, really had good nights. And then you talked about the Harris potential injury there, Sherelle. I don't want to speculate on that too, too much. He had a, a good game tonight. I think his biggest contributions, though, were on defense where he was really, really hustling. He was aggressive also in that first half. Sean, looking at the guard play, though, specifically of Jeremiah Francis, I think UNC is really seeing what they have in him being a lead guard. So now that you know we can start looking ahead a little bit to when Cole Anthony will be returning from his injury, We've talked about it in the past, but now I think that we have a lot more footage on Francis. How do you see he and Anthony coexisting in the backcourt? Well, I think they can form a, a good duo um, because I think, you know, I think we talked about it last time, but I think it'll allow Anthony to to get some better shots and it won't, all the pressure won't be on him to really do everything on offense, which he was definitely tasked with before. Now you have Francis, who made the biggest play of the day, um, you know, attacking the basket from the left side and getting the and one. So, you know, he fe- I think he feels pretty confident that he can get to the basket and and uh, put pressure on the defense. And now you have two guys that can handle the ball and can put pressure on the defense. So I think, you know, they should be, you know, be able to play pretty well. It'll definitely take some time for them to get used to it because they haven't played it all together besides uh for that uva game and that was only a few minutes but i think it can lighten the load for cole and hopefully help him uh you know get some better shots because when he was you know the, the last few game, games he was playing granted it was going against two of the top defenses in the country he, he was having to take a lot of tough shots um whether it was the step backs or, or shots in the paint and now hopefully this can uh, free him up and now you have two guards that can attack and are legit scoring options Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are longtime sponsors of this podcast, great friends of Inside Carolina. Hopefully everyone got a gift from Giant T-Shirt in your stocking or just wrapped up under the tree this year for the holidays. If you didn't, you can always go to their location there on Franklin Street where they have an incredible selection of everything you could want for the Tar Heel fan in your family. They have the gear from every single sport that you could possibly think of. They have great accessories as well. So make sure that you head on down to Giant T-Shirt there on Franklin Street. You can enjoy their absolute top-notch customer service. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, though, you can always go to GiantT-Shirt.com, shop their same great selection, get that same great customer service there. And remember that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders. You can get that 10% off code from the Tar Pit Premium Message Board, the Basketball Premium Message Board. So that's Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. 
All right, so let's go ahead and switch over to the Roy Williams part of the podcast, guys. Tonight, he reached the 879 mark of wins, a truly historic thing, matching the great Dean Smith. I thought it was very cool that Dean Smith's son was in the Dean Dome. And let's just really take a moment here, I think, to appreciate everything that the Tar Heel fans have gotten in Roy Williams. I mean, he, he's won the, the three championships. Even though today, Sherelle, he was probably not really in the mood to, like I said earlier, kind of accept all the accolades. That That's really just not his style overall, I don't feel like, though. Oh, not at all. And I think part of it is um, Coach Smith is was like a father figure to him. I think everybody kind of knows his family history, if you're listening to this podcast. Um, and to him, it probably just doesn't feel right to have the same number of wins as Coach Smith. He feels not worthy. He feels like he shouldn't be in the same discussion. Um, so I think that probably is where some of the hesitation came from um, as far as the post-game um the post-game ceremony goes. And, you know, just overall, I, I think what Roy Williams is, and Brian Ives, former IC intern, he now works for ESPN, tweeted out, he really is underappreciated. And I think a lot of it is jealousy because Roy Williams was an assistant at North Carolina. And, you know, obviously he had to work hard, but it was still North Carolina with Eddie Fogler and Bill Guthridge and Coach Smith. And then his first job as a head coach was at Kansas, you know, a blue blood where basketball was basically invented uh, to some degree. And then he leaves Kansas, could have any job in the world, you know, was offered NBA jobs, had any job he wants, um, and left Kansas and went to North Carolina, arguably the two top programs of all time. So I think a lot of the reason that people don't really see him um, as a great coach, like some of the other, you know, top five, top ten coaches that people usually throw out their own list is because those were his only two jobs. What they don't realize is that, you know, there's a lot more pressure to coach at Kansas and Carolina than there is at, you know, I'm going to pick on somebody, you know, Tennessee Tech and Western Kentucky. There's imminent, you know, just just so much more pressure to succeed at those two jobs and to do it the way he's done it at almost an 80 percent clip, you know, winning his games is really incredible. And people just I guess they think, is, you know, he just rolls the ball out there. That was the common thing. But throughout his career, you know, especially in North Carolina, he's shown that he can win in different ways. He has shown that he can take uh, talented players who are already there, add a piece like Marvin Williams and win a title. He's shown he can recruit, you know, a top, you know, the top class in the country and use those guys to win a championship. And then he's shown that he can do it with guys who necessarily aren't the top tier one and done NBA players who are three to four year guys who you know, ranking in the top 25 to top 50. So he's won championships three different ways in North Carolina and just has been successful pretty much every year, but maybe one year in his entire coaching career. And I just think he's really underappreciated. Sean, let's talk about the coaching job that Roy Williams has done this year. But before you get to that, though, go ahead and give your take on just, you know, like Sherelle put out, I think an excellent just summary there and really he hit all the important parts about what coach Williams has done for UNC so let's get your thoughts on that aspect of him and then move on to what he's how he's having to coach this year's team so differently than he has in the past well I don't think there's much more to add after Sherelle um, so eloquently talked about Roy Williams and what he's meant to UNC but you know, to me, it, it still feels like yesterday when he was coming over to North Carolina. And I remember being in my, my dorm room when he did. But, you know, when you look at his his overall record and, and the fact that he's been at UNC longer than, than Kansas is still extremely mind boggling to me. But, you know, it, 
as Sherelle mentioned, he started with a team that was extremely talented but had never won and second year won a championship and then was just reeling off, uh, you know, five-star recruits, um, kind of culminating with the t- uh, 2009 championship. And then really, you know, this decade, it's it's been, um, you know, pretty interesting to see the ebbs and flows of of how the teams have done, obviously, the, the dip of 2010, but then getting right back a few years later and the back-to-back championship appearances. And now to kind of close out, uh, you know, the, the decade, uh, right now it's, it's a tough season with, uh, you know, offensively his, his worst team that he's ever had. And, you know, I think you're, you're seeing him try to adapt and, and try different, different lineups. Um, and that's going to be a common theme throughout the ACC, especially, you know, with Cole coming back. Once again, he hasn't played really with Francis. And now you're still mixing in a team. Um, you know, I think for Roy, you can go through his records and you see the tempo and the offensive rebounding. And the game of basketball has changed a lot, but his core tenants have still stayed the same. And UNC still is superb um, at the things that he really, really focuses on. And while this year is definitely going to be a, a trying one, uh, I think, you know, taking taking joy in kind of the, the smaller achievements, uh, you know, as the games go on will be will help everybody get through it. And then you know, we'll be talking about recruiting in a little bit. And, and that's one thing that kind of was was dark for a few years. Um, and now and now UNC is back, you know, challenging the, the other, you know, Dukes and Kansases of the world, uh, you know, for the five star recruit. So overall, um, you know, it's pretty remarkable what he's done and how long has, he's been able to do it and, and hopefully has a few more years of, of doing it at that level. Before we get on to the recruiting, let's go around real quick. And I want to hear everyone's one memory of Coach Roy Williams. So when you hear his name, what is the image or sequence of events that pops into your mind? Sean, let's hear from you. I can put you on the spot, man. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. But I'll, I'll go back to 2005 and just the Illinois game and, and kind of getting the monkey off of his back. Because that was, you know, obviously what everybody was saying was, you know, he can, he's a great coach. And has all these wins, but he, but he can't win at all. And, and coming from UNC, having Kansas lose to Syracuse, uh, he was able to get that monkey off his back pretty quickly. And, and you know, then uh, we've been able to see two more championships. So for me, it's just going back to that 2005 game and kind of what led up to it and, and the challenges and then just kind of the, the joy, uh, you know, after the game that you could see from, from him and, and the team. All right. What about you, Sherelle? What's your one memory that you have of Coach Williams? Uh, it goes back to um, 2003. So I was a student. I was a junior um, when he uh, got to North Carolina. And I was heavily involved in the athletic department. And the first late night with Roy on campus, it's hard to describe exactly how that felt. It was uh, just celebratory. It was, um, they called it, we ended up calling it Roy Day uh, that day, just because everyone was just so excited. Because, it, you know, those the early 2000s were a really, really, really difficult time. I think some people forget exactly how far Carolina basketball had fallen in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, and there was a, a large contingent of people who thought the program was going to end up like Indiana, which is um, nationally relevant for a long time. Um, and then a blip here or there, and then essentially nothing for 30 years. Um, and when Roy Williams said yes that day in April 2013, everyone was excited. But to see him on campus and interacting with people, just I remember the buzz around campus, the feeling. It was just 
pretty amazing. You knew that there was hope. You knew that North Carolina basketball was was going to be back and was going to be fine. And, you know, less than two years later, he had already won the national championship and off he went. So that, to me, just that first late night with Roy Day um, in October uh, 2003 was was something. So when you talked about, you know, the, the student aspect of it, that got me thinking it's not a memory I have because it didn't happen to me, but apparently when kids would camp out for tickets to, you know, get in the risers and everything, Coach Williams would bring them donuts for the early morning people. So I I always thought that that was a really cool touch. Every Um, Saturday morning. Yep. Back before the lottery, when you actually, you know, had to work. In the Stone Ages, in the Stone Ages, (laughs) when dinosaurs roamed the Smith Center. Well, I'll give my favorite memory real quick, and and it was the the celebratory, I guess, event you could call it in 2009 when the team came in uh, after flying back home from winning that championship. It was so huge, and I think that Coach Williams he really loved that 09 squad. I think it was, you know, probably I don't know if it's if, if I go as as so far to say it was his favorite. But I do think that those kids have a special place in his heart. And just uh, hearing him give the speech and seeing what it meant to him to win two titles to match Dean Smith, that was really, really cool. So let's go ahead, though, and take our last commercial break. And when we get back, we will wrap this podcast up with some recruiting talk. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Sean Moran and Cheryl McMillan. Guys, let's go ahead and cover the holiday tournaments that have been going on over the last week or so. We talked about these before the holidays actually began. There were a lot of updates that came out of these. Sean, you are going to be our expert guy when it comes to these. Where do you want to start at, man? Like, which tournament do you think really was the one that UNC fans, if they're going to go back and maybe take note of, what was the one that you would say? That's a, that's a, a tough one. Um, you know, I, I guess it would be the John Wall just because it, it was in in Raleigh and uh, Ben Sherman did a great job covering that. Um, you know, they had Puff Johnson as well as Daron Sharp in the tournament. Uh, you know, I think, unfortunately, you know, Montverde is a super team and, 
you know, they, they uh, d- didn't really get, get challenged and you didn't really get to see, you know, sharp in, in a extremely competitive setting. Uh, but going back to the city of Palms, which last time we were on the podcast, they were going into the championship game and they won and, and sharp uh, played, played pretty well in, in that one. Um, you know, I think one thing that we've, we've kind of talked about with Puff Johnson has been Hillcrest and just kind of what a mess they've been all year from coaching to playing style, um, you know, players on the team uh, in terms of fit. And I think people that were able to either watch it online or, or watch the games in person probably saw saw that where I think Puff Johnson played fairly well, shot the ball well uh, from three and rebounded. But, you know, really his his main role is kind of a spot up shooter and and to get rebounds. And you have guys that are not really pass first guys on his team and and ones that are looking to, to shoot and get theirs. And I think it'll be kind of a you know, a, a long season for him, but the fact that he, he did shoot well and, and did, uh, did get on the boards, I think is a positive and will, will definitely be something that UNC will need uh, going forward. And then finally you have RJ Davis who uh, played really well at the city of Palms. Um, and then uh, just yesterday was playing Paul the six up in, in Delaware. And uh, Taylor did a great job in terms of video as well as, analysis on RJ's performance and overall it wasn't a a great one um you know didn't shoot the ball that well didn't make any threes but you know Paul the 6 for for people that don't know they're ranked well before that game they're ranked number 1 in the Washington Post so number 1 in in the DC area and they have some really talented guards and from what i saw you know it, it was kind of a you, you saw his strengths uh, really being able to handle the ball under pressure because they were really putting pressure on him uh i think he had two assists, but as Taylor mentioned, and as I saw in kind of the replay, there's numerous pass, nice passes that he had that, that the teammates just didn't hit. So overall it was, you know, another positive for him. And I think, you know, for him being one of the, the latter ones to commit, uh, I think he's going to be really special, especially knowing that he most likely will be at UNC for, for more than one year. So uh, that's that's kind of a lot, but I think it was a good opportunity for people in the area to see Dayron and um, Puff play, and then you know we'll see Montverde on on TV definitely going forward. Yeah, let's talk about R.J. Davis just for a second here because, like you mentioned, Sean, he didn't shoot that great in the game that Taylor Vipolis covered for Inside Carolina. But at the same time, he is just one of these guys that is always, always, always going to attack. Sherelle, when you watched him live, you said the exact same thing. And I'm just really excited for this kid to come to Carolina because for a UNC squad that needs some scoring from the outside, scoring inside, scoring basically everywhere, I mean, RJ Davis looks like the type of guy that could come in and really help out a lot and into the floor from day one. Yeah, him and Caleb Love, I think, are, are both capable of that. And Davis, you know, it's funny because um, each stretch of his career, kind of, he's starting to show more and more people what he can do. So, for example, like when we went up um, uh, to New York to see him last month or earlier this month, start all starting to run together. Um, his coaches talked about how everything that you're seeing, you've seen the last six months, we've seen the last, you know, couple of years. And now it's like everything that we saw in the last six months, kind of the national audience is seeing over the last two months. And soon, you know, over the next few months, more people will see what he's been doing. 
Um, and I, I think the thing for him is just consistency. Like you pretty much know um, part of it is his team makeup, but you pretty much know he's going to give you 22 to 30 points every game um, that he's going to shoot decently well. Um, you know, his, his shooting does need to continue to improve. Um, I think part of it is just he's required to do a lot of offense for his team. He and uh, uh, Adrian Griffin and do commit. So that's part of it. Um, but, you know, he's got to improve his shooting. And as we talked about before, when people come into North Carolina, you know, typically just because it's it's uh, faster, um, the players are bigger, it's just a little more difficult to shoot well as a freshman. And so he's going to have to find other ways to contribute when his jump shot isn't falling. And I think he's, that's really the part that I've been most impressed by is that even when he's not hitting threes, he's found ways – um, to score inside the paint, really creative ways considering his size. So, um, yeah, it, it's just another score that they'll be able to put out there, um, hopefully with players like Anthony Harris and Jeremiah Francis and Linky Black, et cetera, et cetera. All right, guys, so to wrap it up, let me get, Sean, your thoughts on who was the most impressive player that you saw over the holiday tournaments. If there were a couple of them, that's fine. But just give us a, a quick rundown of who really stood out to you just overall. Overall, uh, that's a good good question. I mean, from a UNC perspective, R.J. Davis, I, I got to watch a lot of him uh, watching the streaming version of City of Palms, and I, I hadn't seen that much of him uh, beforehand just from a overall game perspective. So for me, it was it was great to, to see him play. Um, you know, overall you see Montverde and, and it's kind of incredible just to, to watch them and they're battling IMG in the championship of the city of Palms. But, you know, Kate Cunningham, he didn't even have that good of a game uh, in the championship and he still just controlled the pace and, and hit big shots when he needed to. And, you know, he's going to be a great player next year at Oklahoma state. And obviously UNC was, was after him pretty heavily. And one, I'll kind of go off topic real quick. One guy that, didn't make any waves uh, during the holiday season is Zaire Williams, uh, who uh, was offered, you know, just over about a year ago from, from UNC and, you know, things have cooled off with him uh, and and his overall recruitment and UNC, even though he's made it to campus a few times, but he is back playing tonight, uh, his first game after sitting out really the first semester uh, due to transfer reasons. So, they're playing uh, Rancho Christian in California, which has Eric Mobley, uh, another top five top five player. So should be a good game on the on the West Coast. But overall, uh, I'd, I'd say Montverde in terms of a team, and then RJ in terms of UNC guys. All right, good stuff, Sherell. Did you have anything to add, or are we good to go ahead and wrap this one up? No, I think Sean nailed it. All and right. We, yeah, I will say, I will say, um, I think we counted it, and there are only a couple of college teams who have more top one hundred players in Montverde. To speak to Sean's point. I was actually going to ask, like, if Montverde could play in college, they would probably actually be a halfway decent team, like, this season. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like to do that, like, doing the comparison up, but I think they would be. I mean, they've got they've got a guy who's going to be, you know, a top two or three pick in the draft. They have really good players committed to really good schools. It's incredible to watch, like Sean said. All right, guys. Well, thank you a lot for speaking with me tonight. We will go ahead and wrap this one up, but we will be back next week for our weekly Coast to Coast podcast. So for now, y'all have a good rest of your night. All right. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.